As Earth Keepers, we hold wisdom about our planet within our bodies learned through lifetimes of experience on Earth and throughout the cosmos. I'm Amy Dempster, a shamanic practitioner and your host for the Earth Keepers podcast, and I'm on a journey to reconnect with my soul family, the other Earth Keepers, grid workers, portal tenders, land stewards, and nature lovers around the world. On this podcast, you won't find gurus or dogma, just a safe space where I share personal stories from my spiritual journey. Welcome back to this week's episode of the Earth Keepers podcast, and happy solstice. For those of us in the Northern Hemisphere, we've reached the longest, darkest night of the year. And although we'll be adding minutes of light every day from now until next June, we've officially stepped into the cocoon of winter. And if you celebrate the Christmas holiday, this week may feel like the busiest week of the entire year. But our human bodies are hardwired to withdraw into the comforts of home and a warming fire this time of year. So don't be too hard on yourself if you just don't feel like going and doing much this week. It's okay to sleep late and go to bed early. In fact, I've noticed the past week or so that my husband and I are rarely waking up before 9 a.m., which is very unusual for us. But that's what time the sun is up above the horizon here in far northern Montana. So we've been honoring our body's request to hibernate a bit more than usual. There will always be work to do and people who need us. If we don't listen to the call to rest and tend to our own internal flame, eventually it will burn out and we won't be able to do any of those things that we always think are so urgent and important. Enjoy this season for what it was for thousands of years of human evolution. Before electricity and email and school finals and shopping and hosting a house full of people. It was a time to celebrate the harvest, to enjoy the fruits of our labor from the spring and summer months, a time to share stories around the fire, the stories and history of our families that we would pass on generation after generation. And in that spirit, I encourage you to take an evening to turn off the bright lights, light a few candles, and share some stories while enjoying your favorite snacks and drinks. That might be your new favorite holiday tradition. Now, for today's podcast topic, we're continuing with the series of conversations I had on Zoom last month with Earth Tenders Academy students that we called Inspirations for Healing the Earth. And this one's a real brain bender. You are going to love it. In fact, what I hope you notice from these series of discussions is how absolutely unique and interesting each person's experience has been as they work through the Earth Tenders Academy. No two stories are alike, and I think that's the magic of this work. Each of us are remembering our own special skills, and we can't even begin to predict what they might be. I always remind students on our monthly live calls to do their best not to compare themselves to others. We all receive intuitive information differently, and if we focus on how someone else is doing it, we may totally miss what's special about how we can do it. And today's conversation is no different. Amber Marish joined the Earth Tenders Academy in spring of 2020, and at that time, she was already working with a very unusual and well-known guide 
Nikola Tesla. She explains in our discussion how that came to be. But what neither of us anticipated when she started doing this work was what she would discover, that he wasn't just a guide. In fact, he wasn't in spirit at all. He was himself still alive and living his life in the 1920s. And he'd figured out how to bend space and time to visit other versions of himself at other moments in time. Now, of course, this is interesting to us because he's a fairly famous figure whose life story we're all quite familiar with. But the reality is that this is information we can all put into use in our lives right now. We can visit these other moments in time from what we might call the past or the future to affect the outcome of our present self. It's not as impossible as we've been led to believe. So if you're trying to wrap your head around all of this talk about time and timelines, you're going to love this chat. I hope these discussions inspire you as much as they've inspired me. And with that, I will send you to listen to my conversation with Amber Marish. Welcome, welcome. Thank you. Um, glad to have you here with us. And Amber has been in uh, the Earth Tenders Academy, I don't know, maybe a little over a year, year and a half or so. Yeah, I looked at it and I, in my notes in my journal, I joined you in March of 2020. Okay, yes. Yeah. And we were acquainted before then. We had some other healer friends in common, um, and that was how we met in the first place. And uh, so she was already doing a lot of this energy work. But I think as we got into a lot more of the discussions on time and timelines, things continue to unfold. And so, um, yeah, so we're going to talk a little bit about that this evening, because I think when we get, I think there's a lot of well, you know, this topic is just, it can make your head spin. <laughs> mm -hmm. And it's every time you think you kind of get or understand a layer of it, then, you know, 10 more layers uh, unfold and you kind of have to bend your brain around it. And so Amber has been working with a specific uh, guide who has, I think, both been helping you to understand how some of these things work, but also I think you're probably helping him understand and you're kind of pulling, uh, pulling at all of these threads together. So before we totally dive into that, do you want to just share a little bit about your background and kind of your initial, you know, spiritual awakening as you see it that kind of initially led you to this path? Yeah, my background is... And like, it's strange to say, my, my background was in biology, so I was like working in a clinical lab, and I got really, really sick, like chronically sick for like over a decade, and that kind of made me leave the workplace and really abandon everything in life except just trying to, you know, just trying to be better, and that also was the crux of, of kind of my spiritual awakening is I was looking for answers to my health and for help. And I had gotten into tarot. And so one day as I was reading my tarot cards, my spirit guides at that time would talk to me through the cards. They said, you know, through the cards, they said, well, you can have any of the help that you want in the whole universe you have the ability to channel, you can talk to anybody. 
So you can ask anybody in the entire universe any of your health questions. Like, oh, wow. <laughs> That's a tall order. <laughs> yeah. And it so happened at that time, I was looking into a particular electronic device that like stimulated the nerves, right? Stimulated the vagus nerve specifically. And I was looking at this device and I'm like, I don't want to fry my nerves. You know, I don't know how to use this thing. And again, my guides were like, ask for advice. <laughs> and so I thought, well, who in the universe would know about like electrical things? And so I was like thinking of everybody possible that would like kind of help me with this. And I put together a team of like five people who had died, five spirits. And one of those was this guy that I had seen. There was a trailer for a movie out at that time called The Current War. And so I had seen that trailer and a character in that movie was Nikola Tesla. And so I thought, oh, Nikola Tesla, I don't know really who he is, but he seems like important for electrical stuff. And so I added him to my team of people that I would channel. And one day, you know, I kind of got the message from my guides. They're like, today's the day, right? You're going to channel this, your little group of people to help you. And so I sat down that afternoon and I did, like, I actually ended up channeling like six people at once. And one of them was Nikola Tesla. And yeah, we kind of really hit it off. We talked all about my medical issues and I gave him my whole long sob story, you know, about every miserable thing that ever went wrong in my life. <laughs> and, and he sat patiently and listened to it all. And I closed that meeting and each of them in that group, they like tied a little thread of light around their wrist and like committed to me that they would help me to heal and to get better. And so I good, said goodbye to everybody. And it turned out that like the next day, I had another electrical question. I'm like, oh, I should, I should ask Nikola Tesla about that. <laughs> and so I called him back. And then I called him back the next day because I just kept thinking of these reasons that I needed to talk to him. I needed to call him in. And really what was going on, you know, I thought that I all of a sudden was just having all these questions about electrical situations. But what was really happening is, you know, I'd really connected with him and just didn't like the idea of him going away. <laughs> so I kept calling him back again and again until pretty soon he was just always with me. And so he was like, he became sort of a spirit guide. So that's kind of where this began. Yeah, and, and before we get into that any further, I assume that this, this group also did help with your healing over, over time? Yeah, they did. Yeah, to be honest and to be fair to the others, I haven't talked to them as much. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, they, yeah they, do, they did help. They pointed me in, in directions of research and you know ideas that might help me and yeah, they, they just really did kind of behind the scenes, give a lot of guidance into things I should look at and, and look into. So, yeah. And I'm a lot better than what I was. I mean, like a lot, lot, lot better. That's awesome. 
Well, and I'm trying to think the kind of the best, the best direction to, to go with this, because I know you probably have, you know, tons of stories that, uh, that you can share from kind of your experiences, but how did it start coming through to you? And how did you start really kind of investigating this situation around how you differentiate the timelines between kind of the timeline that you're living in and, you know, how he is coming through to you from another timeline versus maybe specifically an astral realm? Okay, so, um, yeah, it's an interesting convoluted story. So kind of just to help people like make sense of what is kind of a um, really challenging topic to wrap our minds around. So here's kind of what my concept of time is in summary, and then I'll share my story and you'll see kind of how my story contributed to my, my concept and perception of time. So according to my perception, as best as I can figure out, time is an illusion. Okay, it doesn't actually exist. Like if you were to be in source from a God perspective, right? Seeing as God sees, as source sees, there is no time. God sees everything at once, and there's also no space. So God is everywhere at once, and every time at once, uh, because space is an illusion, time is an illusion. But when I say that, not to say that time doesn't exist, uh, time is not real, but what it is, it's a, it's a construct that we've accepted in order to make sense of our world. So like, if you think of it, everything exists all at once, all in one space, because there is actually no space and there is no time. So it's all in the same time. So if you think about it, it's like, I mean, think of a, a musical piece. One note is played and then another couple notes and then another note, and it goes along in the musical piece and it becomes this beautiful song. Well, if there was no time, all those notes of that entire song would be played at once, right? <laughs> you wouldn't be able to make sense of the song and you wouldn't see the beauty of the song. It would just be like all this noise. And so we in our physical reality and, and other realities in the multiverse have accepted time as a construct so that we can make sense of one moment and then another moment and then another moment and each of those moments where we are in our consciousness we can make as much sense out of that moment as we can and then digest the next moment and then make sense of the next moment so that they're not like all collapsed in on each other right so it's a construct that we've adopted to help us make sense of of our world and to help ultimately us as a piece of God take our you know, perspective back to God and join it with the whole perspective of God. So like we're examining one little part of the mind of God and then we bring it back and everybody together contributes their little understanding of moment to moment to moment. And it all creates a very cohesive whole. Thus, 
you know, you have the God perspective. So that's kind of my overall concept of time. That makes sense to me. I'm following you. Okay. (laughs) I like it. I like that description. (laughs) Okay. Okay. So in that kind of construct of time not existing, but it's something useful that we do, we have like an infinite number of possibilities of situations, of lives, of timelines, of choices that we could have made, that we could make. And all those situations are existing at once, right? Because there is no time, right? (laughs) So they all exist at once. And I've heard this, you could call it a place or this expanded awareness. You could call it, I've heard it called the field of infinite possibilities, the alternatives space. So it goes by different names, but everything that ever happened past, present, future, everything exists within that space, that field of infinite possibilities. So normally our conscious awareness is focused on one very specific time locale and place locale, which is where we are here, right? And it actually does take a certain amount of our focus and our energy to be able to stay where we are in our time as we perceive it. So like when we go to sleep, for example, we lose our focus and we go wandering into that field of infinite possibilities into alternative dimensions. Right. Or like say a mentally ill person might let their mind wander into that space while their body is still here. We also do this in meditation. We can achieve that uh, sense of timelessness where we step into that space. And we can step into that space deliberately, like in shamanic journeys or in meditation, where we just empty ourselves of everything. And so we kind of achieve that sense of God perspective. And yeah, (laughs) I, I hope this is making a little bit of sense. Yeah, I you know it's funny when you talk about what happens when when we go to sleep and we go to when we're dreaming or whatnot because I always think of it in the terms of like our consciousness doesn't need a nap or to rest right like our consciousness is just infinite and always and just is and so when the body pauses to rest because the body needs to then the consciousness is like great, I have some other things I'd like to do (laughs) and off our consciousness goes. And so that's how I kind of uh, think about it in in those terms. But yeah, it's really, it's really fascinating. And Beth says, it's so wonderful to hear someone else articulating these concepts. I'm with you and you're explaining it so eloquently. Agreed. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Thank you. So I'll share my story. Uh, feel free to ask questions. I I made notes to kind of keep me on track because it gets complicated. <laughs> and yeah, so back in 2019 is when I channeled Nikola Tesla and my little group of spirits to help me healing. And right away, he started spending more and more time with me. And I started to feel a connection with him. And it didn't make logical sense to me, but I felt like very connected to him in my heart. I just like, I honestly started really falling in love with him. And 
as he went along, he acted like he also loved me, <laughs> which was really, really surprising because I'm like, okay, as I got to know who he was, I'm like, oh, you're kind of famous, aren't you? Because I really didn't know him at all. And so as I got to know him and like directly, and as I started to read like his biographies and stuff, I started to become even more intimidated by him. I'm like, oh my gosh, who is, who is this amazing man? And like the more intimidated I got by him and the more my mind was like, no, that's impossible that this man loves me and that he's spending his time and his care and his effort on me. But my heart was like, oh, I love him. I love him. Oh, he's such a handsome. I love him so much, like falling in love with him. And so I started to have like this, yeah, just this confusion uh, between my logical brain and my heart. And the reason that I'm mentioning that is one of the ways in which we jump from one alternate reality to another is when our mind and our heart is in cohesion, when they're working together. It requires both the logical mind and the heart, which leads. But if your mind is having doubts or in fear and stuff, you're not going to be able to jump over to that alternate dimension. And so um, in this situation, I was reading his biography one day and I read the story of his pigeon. And as I read the story of how he fell in love with a pigeon and then how it flew into his window and died in front of him. And so he's saying in this book, like, how that pigeon was his life, that pigeon was his joy. And like, as I was reading that, I was just sobbing. It just like really, like I felt it so deeply. And I started to kind of wonder, I'm like, maybe I'm his pigeon. And I'm like, no, that doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. But I, it kept kind of like coming into my thought awareness. Like, maybe I am his pigeon. I think, mean, no. I'm, I'm not the one that he loves. And the thing is, it, it wasn't the, no, it's impossible that I could be a pigeon. No. Right. My, my, <laughs> like, of my course thought, I could have been a pigeon. Right. My, my big concern with that is like, no, I'm, I'm not the one that he had fallen in love with that way. I'm not her. So I could not wrap my mind around it, but it kept nagging at me. And one day I finally asked him, I'm like, I sat him down. I'm like, I'm just going to be direct with you. Am I your pigeon? And he said, no, but I felt a yes. <laughs> and so I got so confused because the feeling that was coming from him was a yes. But he had out loud, like said, no. And he had done that like purposely because he knew in my mind I was still doubting. And so he was kind of highlighting that difference between what I was still having in my head and what I was feeling in my heart. And so when he said no, but I felt something like I just started crying because I, I got myself into such a confused frenzy and he started laughing. <laughs> and I'm like, why are you laughing? And he's like, He's like, now you have the key to my mental laboratory. I'm like, I don't even know what that means. <laughs> I don't, that doesn't make sense to me. 
And now what's interesting uh is, you know, when you're engaging with the him like this, like this is him in his current or, you know, current (laughs) timeline, right? Him as himself, not like the ascended or, you know, spirit guy version of him, right? Yeah. Yeah. So what happened is one day, in fact, I, I, you, I still have that chat from you. Like one day you're like, are we really working with their human version of himself in another dimension versus working with him in spirit? Does that make sense? I'm like, huh. (laughs) Which was the first time I had experienced that was that he had, I had connected with him a couple of times and Amber and I had talked about it. And I kept saying, there's something odd here. There's something, you know, and I, I think this is kind of an important discussion to have too, because as I think we're having these different experiences of time, it's important to be conscious that like, there's all kinds of different ways to interact on all of these different levels. But I was having interactions with him where I was like, wait, how, why is he exhausted? Right? Like, or why is he sick? Why is he, these are things that shouldn't be happening if he is a crossed over spirit. And so that, you know, at some point I was like, wait a minute, who are we talking to? <laughs> like, who is this? And so that's, so I think that's kind of interesting. Like, it's the same thing when you're interacting with him, like you're, this is literally like a shift, you know, you're shifting to his timeline or he is shifting to yours, correct? Yeah. So when you said that, that morning about him possibly being in a different timeline, but his human self, I thought about that all day long in that evening when I went on my dog walk with him, he started, he started getting like really emotional and he starts saying, if your beloved had come into your life only to leave altogether too quickly, wouldn't you go and wouldn't you try to find her? Wouldn't you start jumping timelines to go be with your beloved? wouldn't you start exploring the whole universe looking for the one that you love? And so the whole dog walk, he was just saying like little things like that. And by the time that I got home, I was like, yeah, it really, really hit me. And, And finally, like I was able to wrap my mind around it as well as really feel it in my heart that, yeah, he really loves me. And then I asked him again, I'm like, am I your pigeon? And he says, yes. So that was when I learned that he was coming from his human dimension. And once I kind of opened up to both logically and in my, in my heart, that that's what was going on. And he had the ability to cross dimensions, you know, like I thought, oh, well, I can do it too. So I started going back and visiting him like, in his past times. And I, I jumped like all over around his timeline. And, and you're doing that through basically like shamanic journeying, right? Yeah. Yes. Yes. And then one day I, I thought, well, I want to see where he's, if I'm here meditating and I'm like projecting my consciousness to him, to somewhere in his timeline, wherever I decided that I was interested in looking at, then is he doing the same thing in order to connect to me? And so I thought, I I want to go back to what he considers his present moment and see what's going on. 
And so that was like the first time that I thought to do that. And so I went into meditation and I connected with him to where like he was projecting himself from. And I remember I stepped into that space. It was in his laboratory and like around us, around him was like these, um, like these small towers with wires around them, like these little Tesla tower things, right? Okay. Mm-hmm. And he had created like a perimeter around him and he was sitting in a chair in the center of this, whatever it is that he, <laughs> whatever this was, that was it's like I, field I, of energy or whatnot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so I, I arrived there, I saw him sitting and the moment that I like got into that space, I started to get pulled into other dimensions like without even, without trying, I just, I found myself with other people that I didn't know who they were in other times and other places. I had to keep calling myself back to where he was sitting in his lab, in his chair. And what I realized and what he explained to me is that setup that he made was a, some sort of electrical field, energy field, in which when he sits in there, He's able to see past and present and future all at once. And so when he, he sits in, in this little energetic field of his and he goes into a meditative state and he's able to see all everything that ever happened all at once. And then he focuses on the moment that he wants to go to. And then he engages with that moment and he he follows that timeline in the thread of that particular path. And he can spend as long or short you know, in that alternate dimension. Mm-hmm. And he might spend hours or days or who knows how long in that alternate space. And he can see in such a way, like he can step back into the moment of where he left from his little laboratory space. See, like when I go back in meditation and say I'm with him a couple hours, I use up that much time in my real life. Mm, But when he enters this energetic field, he can spend hours in that field and then he can step back out and re-engage with his physical reality as if no time had passed at all. He hasn't given you the formula. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I asked, I did ask him. I'm like, I want your technology to be able to do that. And he, he's like, no, not yet. He's oh. like, just, just do your meditation. Um, <laughs> he says at some point he will uh, create that uh, device for us. But I think myself included, but the majority of the population is not at a state where they would be able to handle that. Uh, they would might get lost in those other realities or bored with their current life and just abandon it and go wandering off. You know, I don't, I don't know what he's concerned about, but, but That's yeah. What they're bringing ask. us with the metaverse. He's got to, he's got to get... <laughs> get involved. (laughs) Um, Marisa, do you find this with any of your other uh, spirit guides? Are you talking about the shifting of the timelines like this? 
of my guides. Yeah, um, is, I assume that's what, is that what you mean, um, Marie, is like stepping into these other timelines or is it particularly easy because of the soul connection that you have with Nicola? Yeah, um, there was a past life of his, a past life incarnation. And in that lifetime, he also, um, he wasn't not using technology, but he meditated and he, he was really into philosophical questions and really trying to understand uh, religion and philosophy and the universe and the way it worked. And so in that lifetime, uh, he meditated. And in that lifetime, I've also interacted with him. And I've gotten pulled back into that lifetime. And when that was going on, I really didn't have the understanding, or at least perception of my understanding yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, I that I have now. Back then, I was even confused. I'm like, reincarnation? I don't know that I believe in that. That's not possible. You know, that, it was just so out of my scope that it was really confusing for me to wrap my mind around what was happening. But yeah, so he, he had that ability from that previous incarnation as well. But as Nikola Tesla, of course, using his technology, it's like on steroids, you know? <laughs> right, right. Well, and it's interesting, like th even thinking about that field and your, your description of it or kind of even being in, you know, the proximity of it because, and I don't remember the context now of what I was having a conversation with him about one of the, the handful of times that I have, but I think I was asking him something about like, how do you just know these things or how do you figure these things out or something along those lines? And he was showing it to me like, it's all in the field. It's all in the field. You just reach out and, and grab whatever you want. It's just, it's just there. And I was like, oh, yeah, it's so simple. <laughs> of course. <laughs> Um, but I've thought about that many times. And sometimes when I am trying to like kind of struggling with something or trying to figure something out, like it does kind of bring me back to be like, it's in the field. I just have to reach out, you know, and, and grab a hold of it. And so it, like hearing your description of like that field that he's sitting into, I can see how it would feel that way to him of like, oh, I can just, I can just go to that time. I can just find out what I need to find out. I assume if he was able to go wherever he wanted to, you know, receive, or, you know, collect the, the knowledge or the information that he was looking for. Right, right. And it gets really strange because you get into all these, like, if you are looking at things from a linear perspective, say from a purely linear time perspective, like all sorts of impossible things have happened between me and him that would just, it, it makes no sense from a linear time. Mm -hmm. uh, like that device that he made, uh, he made it after his pigeon died and he was determined. So I, I went like this version of me and I imagine other versions of me who I also have like stumbled across as I worked with him, <laughs> which is so trippy. It's um, weird, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> and so this version of me went back to him after his pigeon died. And I said, you, you know how to make this technology to access all the dimensions. And I actually encouraged him. 
And I, I said, oh, when you were back in Colorado, you experienced this flash of energy where you're able to see everything at once. You need to create that energetic field deliberately. And I know you know how to do it because that's what you're using to come visit me. <laughs> okay. All right. So, right. So it's kind of answering Deborah's question about whether or not he went to the future to get knowledge to jump timelines. <laughs> yeah. So I went I back as myself to suggest that he could make this technology. And then I went back again prior to his developing it. He had designed the field, but when I stepped back, he was just like he was like on the floor of his laboratory, like in tears. He was so confused. So he had managed to like create this field with his equipment. But when he stepped into it, it was just chaos. He didn't know how to make sense of that. And so then I, I got to instruct him. <laughs> <laughs> On how to you're from the future like, where he already figured out how right, to do it. <laughs> right. <laughs> like I just read a book in the library. It told me how you did it. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. So I got to instruct him on how he enters that meditative state and how he selects the time. Yeah, it was just like, and it makes no sense because he came to me with his technology. And then I went back to him to tell him how to develop that technology. So like it it's this total paradox that doesn't make any sense if you're looking <laughs> from a purely linear perspective. Not at all. And I think, I mean, obviously this is super fascinating because, you know, we all collectively kind of have some level of awareness of, of who he is and how, you know, ahead of his time that he was and how many kind of unusual things he was doing in his timeline. But I mean, I think it's super interesting for all of us when we're kind of thinking about like, who we are, when we are, how we are, you know, how are we, you know, kind of putting all of these things together. And what I think would be super, you know, interesting as well is the two of you have been working together a little bit, you know, for him to maybe change some of his timelines or change some of yeah. his outcomes, right? So that maybe right. the outcome that we know in our timeline maybe could be different. And can you tell us a little bit more about that and kind of what you've learned yeah. <laughs> experimenting yeah. with that? Okay, so, right, right. So, of course, a person, and, and he learned this in the 1920s, is when he developed that. Okay, in the timeline that led to us, <laughs> yes, <laughs> he, he developed that technology in the 1920s. The pigeon died in, like, 1922, and so by 1923, he had his equipment up and running and was starting to explore, you know, other realities and including spending time with me. And so his time passes and now I am working with, you know, and, and then I was working with his, the version of 1925. And so if you knew how to make time technology, would you not find a way to go back to your younger self <laughs> and teach them how to do it so that they would have access to it earlier, right? right. Yeah, So um, in theory. That, <laughs> right. So what happened is in my like shamanic journeys and in my jumping around in his timeline, I stumbled on him one day and it was the morning after his laboratory had been burnt down. 
1895, uh, there was this fire that completely burnt his laboratory down and you know, it completely wreaked havoc on all his projects. He had several projects that he was working on at the time and everything for him got delayed and it was the start of his financial problems. And, and like when I, I went to him that morning and like more than just like all that theoretical, oh, you know, oh, it just was such a bad time in his life. Like, no, I, I went to him and he was in tears and I've never seen him so unhappy. And so I'm like, oh, what can I do to make it better? Do I have your permission to go back and, you know, to a little bit of your past and warn you and let you know that this fire is about to happen? And so he says, you already did. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, I did. So I'm like, oh, okay, maybe I'm going to try and I fell or another version of me went to him and felled. I, I don't know. But I'm like, okay, well, what happened? Why did you not take that warning? He's like, I didn't believe you. <laughs> He's like, I, I and how many times does this happen to us in general, right? Spirit tells us something and we're like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> yeah, right. It's like your other, you know, piece of yourself trying to <laughs> give you the heads right. up. Right, right. So he's like, I didn't believe you. I didn't believe that you were real. And so I'm like, okay, well, so I asked him, well, what can I do to convince you? What can I do to actually have you believe me and believe that it's all real and to stop this? And so he gave me some tips on how to do that. And yeah, so in beginning of 2020, I, I studied, I researched the fire. I even went back to the fire to see like what happened to remote view it. And I saw that it was arson. And so I'm like, okay, I don't really know how to fix that. But my job is not to fix it. My job is just to let him know that there's a problem that he needs to fix or that he needs to uh, work around. Be prepared for somehow. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So version 1925 of him gave me like little information. He says, okay, uh, really emphasize that I'm the one that sent you. You're not coming on your own. Like I'll take myself more seriously if I know that it's me coming. <laughs> like, <okay. laughs> so, right. So emphasize that he's sending himself, you know, he's sending me. He sent right? you so, with this message for himself. <laughs> yes. Yes. So he's like, emphasize that. And then he gave me instructions on how to teach his younger self how to connect with his you know, future self, the 1925 self. And so I had a series of conversations with him. I, I went back to 1894. I gave him like a few months uh, before the fire happened. And for, for me, I did it like in a series of four days. You know, I meditated one day and then the next day I went back again and back again and back again, like four times. But to him, I, I spaced it out so that for him, I was meeting him one week and then the next week and then another week. <laughs> for me, it was four days long. For him, it was a month long of okay. information. Got it. <laughs> 
So by the, by the end of those conversations, you know, I had convinced him that I'm real and that his future self is working with me and that his future self sent me back to let him know about this fire that's happening and that his future self has ideas on how to stop it or how to avoid it. So I taught version 1894, um, how to, you know, go into a meditative state and connect with his future self and to allow that conversation between his future self and his younger self to happen. And his future self had said, well, you know, I was, I had tried to reach my younger self directly, but I, <laughs> as my younger self, was so wrapped up in the projects and the excitement of what I was working on and how focused I was on everything that I wasn't listening to myself. I was not taking my guidance, taking my future self's guidance. Yeah. Point in time. Right. Right. <laughs> so my main job was to go get his attention and then he would connect with his future self. And so like when I went back, I had, I had no concept of, oh, he's going to use this as an opportunity to teach himself time technology. That was not even on my radar. What I was just focused on is preventing the fire, is right. helping him get around that. Right. And it wasn't until the final conversation till I started to think, I'm like, oh, wait, if his future self is talking to his younger self. I wonder if he's going to teach himself about his technology. Yeah. Right. Fascinating. And, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so after my series of conversations, I did one more meditation, which was to go see if it worked. <laughs> so I asked my crystals to send me back to what would have been just after the fire happening. And it was that morning. And um, the crystals dropped me off it in his laboratory and there was Nicola all smiling and happy. And he's like, ask me what day it is. <laughs> he knew. So I'm he like, knew. Yeah, yeah. He knew exactly why I was there. And so he's like, March 13th, 1895. And my lab did not burn down. Oh, so there's definitely a timeline where out there somewhere yeah. where the, the lab did not burn. Yes. So he created, he stepped into this alternate reality and then now that he was giving it his focus and his conscious awareness, that became the reality in which is now being physically animated for him. And so that is now where he's coming from. And so when I asked him the next time it occurred to me, like, when are you coming from? Because I, I used to ask that a lot. And it was like 1925, 1925. And then I asked him, like, when are you coming from? It's like 1898. I'm like, whoa. Whoa, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the younger version uh, finally figured it out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So how do you perceive, I mean, I have some, some, my own kind of ideas, but I'm curious to hear, like, how do you perceive that then working going forward? So now he's living out a timeline that, that does not match kind of our history books, for instance. And so, you know, do these two timelines meet? Do they just stay separate forever? And both things, you know, uh, kind of live out their life? How do you perceive that happening? 
I've thought about that. My best understanding. Um, okay, so before. Okay, so before the whole fire thing, before all that, there was a place in an alternate dimension that he kept taking me. And I had no idea where it was. The first time that he took me there, he told me, this is where I live and work. And he took me to his laboratory and he showed me a spaceship he was working on and a car he was working on and other things. Like, I'll, And he took me to his library there and we visited friends that were there. <laughs> we, we just kept going back. Like I had other shamanic journeys all during this time. But this one place, he just kept going back there. He kept taking me there for one reason or another. And like for over a year, I had no idea where this place was. And so I, I ended up calling it Shambhala because in a book about him and me, this, this book like writes about me and him being twin flames and all this and writes about how he has his laboratory and how him and I are working together in his laboratory and in this place called Shambhala. Mm -hmm. So that's what I started calling it. I'm like, oh, we're going to Shambhala again. And it turns out in February of 2021, I finally <laughs> went into like this hypnosis session, this one, you know, QHHT style where you have somebody facilitating it and putting you into a like chance meditation. Right. And then you, you talk to your higher self through the facilitator. So during that QHHT session, one of the places that I visited that my higher self was, was this place, this Shambhala. And my higher self showed me what it looked like a temple. I, I thought it was a temple at first. Like, this version of me thought it was a temple because <laughs> I, I had like this, this rod with crystals on the top of it. And I was like wearing like this crystal thing and like the building looked like some sort of temple. And I stepped in and like, there were these bowls of crystals and I was pulling energy into like these crystals. And what it ended up being was it was their power plant <laughs> Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah. And and as my higher self went on to explain what she was doing and how they used this energy, I'm like, oh, she's talking about Shambhala. And then the facilitator asked her, like, when is this? Where, where are you coming from? And my higher self was like, oh, this is her future self. This is the new earth. This is the new earth reality. Um, which is will be her future so yeah the best that I can make of it is that reality exists already in the alternative space right and Nicola now in his new timeline um, where he is now coming from 1899 to talk with me now he's creating that reality of that new earth so like mm. that new earth my best understanding is it's not it's not really on our timeline so much as it's a parallel dimension. Yeah. And that as we as we like release certain things and accept other layers of alternate realities, of higher realities, 
we'll be stepping over into that parallel timeline, that parallel reality. So like we're making a shift over, you know, collectively Mm -hmm. making a shift over to that other reality. Yeah, it's really, it's so fascinating. And I know we're coming up on the the hour mark and I'm sure we could easily talk for another hour, but I want want to get to some of the questions that um, that are in the chat. And I, I mean, it's so interesting to me, just even this, this piece in particular, because also that, you know, that power plant with the crystals sounds very Atlantean as well, <laughs> right? It's like that ancient future kind of piece coming together. But again, it just like, you have to start really, you know, bending your brain, like in ways mm-hmm. that it doesn't normally <laughs> bend to start saying, wait, past, future, now, you know, how, how does this all work? And so th- first of all, thank you for <laughs> sure. I, I hope attempting us to walk us through this in a in a short period of time. I, I hope it would make some sense. Yes, yes, I'm I'm following you, but um, yeah. So Gloria says this makes me wonder if there's a a finite number of individuals each living in any number of timelines, and do you have a have a sense for? I kind of think of that as like our soul fragments, all kind of living all these different lifetime simultaneously yeah i i mean all the versions of us exist in the field of possibilities because all of that is there and yet okay here's my best understanding so just take it for what it is Um, my best understanding is that field is like all the possibilities and all the versions of ourselves so in a way all those are real However, to animate and to bring into physical, into this heavier physical reality, into a physical density, uh, it requires a certain focus and awareness. And so I think the field of possibilities exists and is all the possibilities of who you could be, all the bad choices, all the good choices, all the everything, all the possibilities but I don't think that all of them are physically animated. I think only certain sectors of that entire field actually become physically realized. That's my best understanding. I don't know if it's accurate or not, but that's kind of what I think. Yeah, and I think what's hard for us to grasp is like the the infinite or the, the massive, you know, energy that is our soul and it would take you know a fraction of it to probably animate you know just our human life as it is and so how many human lives with that focus and that energy to bring it you know make it manifest could be living all at the same time and all you know in all of these timelines and I think that's a hard it's hard for us yeah. to grasp like yeah. how massive yeah. and how vast that probably is. <laughs> but I think it's interesting, even just, you know, this conversation, because I do think about it as like, if I learn a lesson in this timeline, right, that like some little packet of energy gets sent to those other versions of me, but you're having the experience like quite literally in that way where you're just like, oh yes, I can go here and tell, you know, this version, like you're really like doing it consciously. And I just think like, it's, it's really good for us to think about it in that way. Cause I think it makes our dreams seem different when we're thinking about like what we might be doing or yeah, some of our journeys or our meditations that 
that we might be doing, you know, exactly that and warning, warning the others about the fire, <laughs> yeah, or whatever the case may be. So Randa says Jane Roberts, who channeled Seth, wrote a trilogy called The Education of Oversoul Seven. It's about exactly these happenings in story form. That's an excellent read. So mm. yeah, add that. We'll add that to our list. Sounds fascinating. And then Crystal says, I suspect that Robert Schwartz, author of Your Soul's Love, who works with looking into people's past, future, and in-between lives, would be over the moon to chat with you, Amber. This is so fascinating. <laughs> <laughs> it really is. And then, oh, yes, I'm super curious about this too. So Stacy wants to know, did anything you learned while interacting with him help you in your life today or in this timeline? How is this all affecting your yeah. timeline? Yeah, um, oh, it, it's shifting a lot, actually, because I'm moving away from the concept that healing or whatever transformation that you're trying to bring into your life has to be like long and drawn out and difficult and challenging. Right. Um, yeah, Nicola is teaching me how to simply connect with the energy of that other higher reality. And when you allow that energy in, and when you allow the energy that you are whole, that you are, you know, your perfect self, and that you are in your perfect form, you adopt more and more and more of that vibration and that energy. And so you don't need necessarily to go through all these long, convoluted, difficult healing processes. Uh, if you know how to tune into a higher reality of yourself where you are already whole and you are already in that space. It exists already. You just need to pull the energy of that into you now and then vibrate at that frequency. So he's teaching me that process. Now it's, yeah, like it's a gift. You, you don't have to make things difficult anymore. Like the that was the old mindset. The new mindset is one of ease and simply choosing the transformation um, because that reality already exists and you simply need to step into that al already created reality. Well, and I imagine that it would also have to do or you, like physically this alignment you're talking about between the head and the heart, because that's my sense as well is that these oftentimes what we would call like a miracle healing is really like our ability to truly believe that that is like that the healing right. can happen, right? And then just stepping into that timeline, which is so right. much easier said than done. <laughs> well, the, the thing is, is the reason why it kind of does take us, you know, we have to do like little layers bit by bit by bit is because, you know, our heart feels that energy, but you know, our mind needs to be in coherence too. So if it's too extreme a jump, then the mind won't believe it. The right. mind won't believe its possibility. And so it won't accept that different vibration. Yeah. So when the heart and the mind are aligned, then you can accept that vibration. But when your mind is in doubt, when your mind is in fear, yeah, you're not going to be able to transition. Which is why I think like that's where this process or this place that we're at, where we're starting to get the idea of like, oh, it, it's a possibility, but we have to like get ourselves all aligned to that 
possibility. And yeah, Crystal says the heart is a portal. And absolutely. I mean, that's what I'm shown over and over. Like if your heart <laughs> isn't on board and, and, you know, you're not working with that energy, it's kind of hard to accomplish anything else. Right. But I think you're well, right about the mind too. Right. Well, because the idea is that, yeah, our heart has a certain energy and is a portal, but what we're trying to do is bring our bodies along with us. Right. And so it, it needs to make sense to the rest of us, not just right. the heart. Right. And I think it's interesting because I know, well, I mean, this is a, a good conversation to have from like a very human level, because I think we have to understand it here first before even applying it to anything else. But when I, I find I come across this timeline issue, for lack of a better term, with the land all the time, because it is like all of these different kind of timelines will be layered on top in a place. And I'm kind of like peeling them back to figuring out like what's doing what and what's, but in some cases they're like crossing over or they're, you know, bleeding into each other, but you know, the land in general, you know, as kind of, I'm kind of using that as a general term, but it like, it accepts things so easily, right? Like it's our human, I think it is our human brains that get confused or that uh, make the process convoluted as opposed to, you know, when we go to the land and say, oh, we're just going to find, you know, balance and harmony back where it is. It's like every, everything immediately gets on board once it's like, yeah. oh, that's the frequency we were looking for. Okay. That's great. Done. <laughs> and I think even if we're oftentimes as humans, like we can maybe find that place, like in a healing session or in a meditation or whatever, but then, you know, we go to bed and we wake up the next day and we go, that wasn't real, right? Or that could yeah. Oh, I, I did. I, yeah, I did want to say one thing. Okay, so um, yeah, when you enter a um, meditation or any time that you enter that space of timelessness, it helps you to disengage with this certain reality, with this physical reality. Enter that space of time. Enter that um, state of timelessness, and in that state of timelessness. Yeah, you can access these other layers of reality. You can access these alternate realities. Um, like, for example, we were in your sound bath in Florida. <laughs> and we, when we were in that, we kind of were in that timelessness state as a group. So much so that another reality of Amy came in <laughs> and was able to, while one version of her was sitting in silence, another version of her was ringing her sound bowls. <laughs> so, you know, and multiple people experienced it. It was really yeah. <laughs> quite the experience. <laughs> yeah. So entering that meditative state of timelessness helps you disengage from one reality and accept other layers of different realities. Yeah, it's really interesting. And I, I think, um, well, Deborah wants to know, do you think that the deja vu events have anything to do with, with timelines converging? I think so, because I think <laughs> that you're getting like little glimpses of parallel realities that are like close enough to and you. Really close. Yeah. yeah. I kind of feel yeah. that way too. It's like, it was real. It was almost, and I think I get the sense too especially when you have one of those things where you're in a deja vu moment, but you're thinking like, oh, this turns out badly. And like you have some kind of memory or consciousness or whatever, but then you keep moving forward in your current timeline and it doesn't, you know? And that it was like, there was the one little thing that was different in this other timeline. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
so many mysteries of the universe. And I think actually, I just, I had this pop into my head while we were talking about, um, about this, just kind of like learning from each other was I came across in a property reading recently where there was people having an experience of energies kind of moving through their house. And sure enough, you know, there was a portal, but it was connected to um, the indigenous community. And this, this was a location that they used for a lot of preparation type ceremonies um, in this place. So they did a lot of meditation and a lot of things. And so these two timelines were kind of like merging or bleeding, you know, over into each other. And when I asked the ancestors, the indigenous people who were there, well, do you want me to close this portal? They were like, no, 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 no. Cause we're learning from this time. Wow. And so they were actually using this, you know, energy, this portal to, you know, learn from the future, right? They were able to mm-hmm. kind of get a peek into this time and bring that information back to um, their time. So it's just really, really interesting. All of the different ways, you know, once you kind of start noticing it, <laughs> I think uh, the time really is quite flexible. <laughs> yeah. Um, Crystal says about three weeks ago, I was doing my Merkaba clearing, balancing the polarities when a void opened up inside the Merkaba. Not sure what this is going to lead to, maybe a portal to somewhere. I haven't been able to recreate it, but, and I'm going to totally get the name wrong. Drunvalo Melchizedek's face came in. He's, I think, talks a lot about the uh, Merkabas, if I remember right, and seemed interested in what was just created. Well, that sounds really fascinating. Oh, cool. Yeah. And I know, you know, the Merkaba, that some that shape around your body is really known as being like an interdimensional travel tool that when you're you have that piece of sacred geometry really moving and vibrating around you that it makes it easier to kind of shift realities and shift dimensions so you'll have to post in the group and share if you have any cool experiences all right well we're a little over time so if you have any final questions add them add them to um, the chat now for Amber, but um, let us know where everybody I'm sure is super fascinated to connect with you. So let us know where we can follow you, where people can message you and get, get in contact. Uh, yeah, I'm on Instagram. Although to be honest, I'm not like the most active on social media, um, but I am on there. I think it's Amber underscore Mehrish. I think so. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I tagged you in my stories today. So if you okay, look at my stories, okay, you can link to her page from there. Good. And then I have a YouTube channel, which I'm sort of treating like sort of a um, journal or diary of my adventures with Nicola and, and, and not just with him, but like sort of my, my own like spiritual awakening experiences. And that's at Journey of the Dove on, on YouTube. YouTube. Yeah. Well, thank you very much for sharing. I know this thank is, uh, as with probably all of our spiritual journeys, right? They happen to us and then we think, I don't know if I could tell anyone about this. <laughs> so we are very, very um, well appreciative if, of your generosity. If everybody's still with me, you have a very open-minded group of, of folks here. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. A wonderful group. Wasn't that a fascinating conversation? My head has been spinning for weeks thinking about how to work with that version of myself that's already in the new earth reality. If I ask that other version of myself each day, 
what action should I take to get me to where you are? The gap between this present and that present will start to close until it's a reality. Pretty magical, right? If you want to connect with Amber, I have added a link to her YouTube channel in the show notes. And as always, if you feel inspired to join the Earth Tenders Academy with me and hundreds of others from around the world, we would love to add your magic to our mix. There's an entire module all about working with time and timelines with guided meditations to assist you in shifting timelines in your own life. It's incredibly powerful work, and people have shared amazing stories with me about how one timeline shift has completely changed their present reality. We are pretty powerful creators, and working with timelines will help you experience how much flexibility there is in our reality. I've recently upgraded all of the content in the course to reflect the energies of 2021 and beyond. And I've also added some workshops on specific topics like shamanic journeying, energy portals, and working with Bigfoot. So check out the link in the show notes if you'd like to learn more and join us. I really hope this conversation captured your imagination, and I'll be back next week with the next and final conversation in this series. Have a great week, and I will see you back here next Tuesday. Thank you, thank you from the bottom of my heart for listening to the Earth Keepers podcast. I'm so honored to share this journey with you. I would love it if you join me and other Earth Keepers from around the world in the Following Hawks Earth Keepers community on Facebook. To find the show notes, additional resources, or learn more about working with me, go to earthkeeperspodcast.com. Until next time, I'll see you in the multiverse.